If you have your Bibles this evening, we're going to be meditating on 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. There are Bibles in the seats in front of you. If you didn't bring one, if you'd like to look along and read. 1 John 4, 7 through 13. This is God's word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God is into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, his son, to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. This is God's word. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of your word. Without it, we would be lost. We thank you that in it, it points us to the need we have, the sin we struggle against, the brokenness in the world we see every day, the depression that we fight against in this desperate world. And we thank you that the hope we have is in a, a baby who was born to poor parents but was the rescue plan we needed. So would Jesus become beautiful tonight? Would his love grip our hearts? He took on our humanity and lived the perfect life and died the death we deserve and rose again from the dead, giving us life everlasting. Increase our faith tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in this brief meditation on 1 John 4, what John is communicating to us in this text is that Because God is love and and first loved us, so also we should love. And we do that as a way to display his love to the world. It's that simple. We love out of a response to the love we've been given. Christianity is not about earning God's love, doing anything to perform, to, to earn our way into his good favor. We can't. We'll never be good enough because of our sin. It's about him initiating and loving us, and us loving in response. What is, when I say love, what, what is love? Well, it's defined as an intense feeling of deep affection. Think of the times in your life you've experienced love from someone else. Perhaps many of you, it was in your childhood. It's your earliest memories when your parents were taking care of you, the people you bonded with person that you've shared romantic love with. Being loved and expressing love to someone else is one of the best feelings in the entire human experience. It's almost as if we were hardwired for love. I think that's what, I think that's true. And I think that's why when we talk about God is love, God is. So being more than humans that just think we love. We aren't primarily thinkers, we are lovers. Yet because of sin, we've 
We have twisted loves. We have disordered loves. We love things too much. We grasp things. We, in 1 John, against those certain loves of don't love the things in the world, he says in chapter 2. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we need to be shown what love is. And it says God is love. God is love. Did you know a loving God, is, Christianity is unique. If you compare it with all the major world religions, it doesn't believe in a personal God at all. Because love is the action of a person, not a divine being. Islam speaks of God's mercy, but never about God's loving mercy extended to the world by sacrificing himself. To a Muslim, such language of love would be considered disrespectful. Love is not the dominant ruling attribute of God. But it is in Christianity. It is in our Bible. And God defines what love is. God's love isn't blanket approval of anything we want to do. Sexuality's love doesn't mean he approves of, affirms, or celebrates, or, or our creative takes on sexuality standard. Or cheating to get what we want. No, he has... We don't often think about that, but you know, if my, one of my kids runs out in the street, when I told him not to, I'm, and if you read the Bible, that's when God gets angry with his people because he loves them. He, Martin Lloyd-Jones says, God is love. And therefore, the more I know God, you'll know, you'll know love. We know, we know God and his love. We see it through creation. How about through providence, just through how you've been taken care of in your life, through the things he upholds, the, the weather patterns, the rain and the sun, the earth we live on, that John 3.16, for how about through redemption, through salvation, so that we would not perish. That's how we see God's love. Leon Morris says, his love for us depends not on what we are, but on what he is. He is loving. He is good. And so we love and we've been cherished by, by him. You know, only those who have known kindness, who've known generosity and, and the love of another are capable of extending it out to others. If you've been loved um, on I've been looking at a lot of data recently on uh, and this one study says that you know, empathy, you know, the comprehension and sharing of other people's emotional states, um, that can come m- more from the father, in the father's presence than the mother. We wouldn't necessarily think that, empathy. You think it comes from the mother. Uh, children are drawn to their father in unique ways. And one of those unique ways is roughhousing. I don't know if you grew up roughhousing with your father. But that teaches empathy. It teaches limbs to your mother. And what she, okay, we'll roughhouse together if you, you clean your room and you listen. Let's poke my eyes. That hurts. Right? Go roughhouse. It also teaches you how far not to go. Don't don't for one mother. One author says if we want empathetic children, they need to spend as much time as possible with their fathers, and they need to roughhouse with their fathers because that's how fathers often show that they love their kids by being that physical presence with them. A Puritan, Jeremiah Burroughs, says, all the love that was ever in the parents and any parents toward their children is but as one drop in the infinite ocean of fatherly love that there is in God the Father to his people. Right? The the, the love of a parent is just a drop in the bucket of the love that we receive from God. 
We teach our kids about the love of God as we love them. And we see it most importantly in the fact that the father was willing to give up his most prized possession to save us. God sent his, verse 9, he sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. D.A. Carson says, the love of God has always been an other orientation. It's always been to serve the other person. And it's when we do that, it's when we understand that we have been unlovely, that we can, then unlo- we can love the unlovely person in our life. Love changes people. Love changes people. I'm going to end with this. You know, the, the, the message of Christmas, the message of the gospel, it's something beautiful. It's something that is not meant to be kept in a box and never shared. My prayer for us is that we would not keep the gospel locked up. We would spend the rest of our days sharing it with those we love, sharing it with strangers. Share the love that we've received from God. You know, Christmas, you know, tomorrow, as we, as we open our gifts, it's a good time to remind our children it isn't ultimately about the gifts. Tomorrow is about love. Why do we give a gift to someone? Because we love them. It's the same thing with God giving Jesus for us. It's about saying, I love you. That's why I gave you this gift. That's why I gave you this rescue, this salvation. It's about God the Father telling us all who believe in the Son, I give you my Son because I love you. I said this in the morning service. I'm going to say it again from Chad Bird. He said, if you've ever wondered how far the Lord would go to make sure you were his own, look down in the manger. Look down in the manger and then look up at the cross. That's how far Jesus was willing to go to take on your sin and to eliminate it and to clothe you in his own righteousness. That is the beauty of what we get to celebrate tonight and tomorrow. And as I close, our response to Jesus isn't just about admiration and appreciation of those things. It demands allegiance. Jesus demands allegiance. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We're to submit our lives to him. Even as we've sung tonight, so bring him incense, gold, and myrrh. Come peasant king to own him. King of kings, salvation brings. Let loving hearts enthrone him. Let our hearts enthrone him. Put Jesus on the throne of our hearts. That's what this gospel message, this Christmas message calls for. Would you pray with me? Father, what great news we have in Christ. The salvation of our souls as we trust in him. In this busy season, Father, I pray that we would, we would slow down. And thank you for this moment that we can slow down. And we can be still. Know that you're God. And know what you've done. The finished work on the cross. The finished work in the manger. And Jesus came and took on our flesh to save us. Thank you. Give us great joy and give us great hope as we thank and consider these things and as we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn to the delight, our last reading of the night from 1 Peter 1. Here, here the apostle Peter is delighting in the salvation we have. 
right? From desperation to delight, we have an unfading gift in Christ. So hear this from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you and the things that have now been announced to you through those that preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Amen.